Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we dive deep into how you can use data to measure, manage, and optimize your health with the latest science and technology. This show is brought to you by Heads Up, which is our web and mobile app designed for individuals and healthcare professionals who need a precise way to measure and manage health data. Check us out at headsuphealth.com. If you've got comments, questions, or feedback on this show, shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. And with that said, let's get into our next exciting episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Data-Driven Health Radio. My name is Dave Korsunsky. I'm your host today. And my guest is Jack Delaccio, and he is the founder CEO of Essentia, which is a company bringing very high-quality sleeping products to market, specializing in mattresses, among other things. We're going to get into all of that. I met Jack recently at a conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Consumer Health Summit. He and I immediately hit it off. And I wanted to bring Jack on the show today to educate everyone on the importance of having a really high-quality mattress in your home. We talk a lot on Data-Driven Health Radio about the importance of sleep. We also talk a lot about how to measure sleep. And this is one of the biggest upgrades, I think, that is often overlooked. It's an easy upgrade, and it can have huge impact on the quality of your rest and recovery. With that said, Jack, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, David. Long time uh, coming. We've been talking about this for a while and uh, glad we finally connected. Yeah. You know, when you have two busy CEOs, Jack, it it often takes like 78,000 emails and calendar attempts before you (laughs) actually hit the jackpot and get get the stars to align where we can actually do this show. So I think uh, you and I have both been uh, patient and persistent on that one. So I'm glad to really finally make this happen. This is a really interesting topic, and I think our listeners are going to benefit tremendously from the education that you can provide us with. So before we dive in, Jack, maybe you can just start with with your founder's story and what led you to create your company. Sure. I guess we are, company's been around, we're uh, celebrating our 18th year, 18th anniversary. So for me, the journey started about 20, 21 years ago. So 21 years ago, I basically had some people in the family who were having some health challenges. And and I guess that's a very common turning point in people's lives when some, when, when either themselves or their family members are going through some ailments. And that's the first time I started to really just become a lot more aware of our environments, our indoor environments, our wellness, what affects us. And what was kind of, I've always had an entrepreneurial edge. I mean, mm-hmm. through college and everything, I always had a side business going on. It was always something that was in kind of in my DNA. And I had a great business at the time. But all of a sudden, it didn't seem as rewarding. or as, I wasn't driven to be in a regular business that didn't really involve wellness. It didn't contribute to someone's health. And I reflect on my business, which was in millwork and design. And, you know... What can I do to help environments, help people? And there was really nothing I can figure out that could do that. So my family was in the latex foam business. And suddenly, you know, as there was some pull to try to get involved in that family 
business. They really had, didn't have much interest in it until the wellness conversation started to come about. And well, then I start to wonder, well, why isn't latex everywhere? Why is polyurethane an option at all? Why isn't, well, isn't aren't our sofas and everything around us made out of natural organic latex rather than a synthetic uh, petrochemical version? And ultimately, one is cost prohibitive. Two is certain performance issues, certain breakdown issues. So there's there are many things, but I kind of got pulled into that direction of learning more about latex foam, how it's produced, how it's sourced, you know, the different types of ways that we can engineer the foam to work. So I spent about three and a half years really trying to give slow response or memory foam qualities to organic latex foam. And that's what I had achieved and, and patented our process and launched Essentia with the um, first iteration of our natural memory foam. Awesome. I love it, Jack. My story is similar with Heads Up. I've always been very driven and I've always been really career oriented. I love the challenge of business in the business world. It just the challenge motivated me. And I, I had a really successful run in the corporate world as well. But I reached a point in my own health journey where I could no longer identify with the work I was doing. And I could no longer connect it back to something that really had meaning to me. And I knew I had the drive to bleed on a project and really see it through and have an impact. And I needed to find an area where I could channel the drive because what I was doing was no longer bringing out the best of me. And I really needed to, I guess what I'm saying is I had to align my personal mission with my livelihood. And so I identify with your motivations for starting the company. Maybe, Jack, I think it would be really helpful for people as an entry point here if you could explain the difference between what you described as a mattress or any furniture product in the home, for that matter. And if you could educate people on the difference between something that's made with a, a synthetic petrochemical and something that's made with a natural product or natural fiber. I, I presume there's differences just in terms of the chemicals that are used. And I think intellectually, we all understand that trying to reduce the amount of toxic chemical exposure, although these may not be toxic, but we always hear about chemicals that can leach, especially with new furniture products, new mattresses, flame retardants, all these kinds of things. So could you just give us a baseline set of information really on the difference between natural and synthetic in that world? Absolutely. So, I mean, the initial reason why I got into this was because I had discovered the concentration of off-gassing of toxic chemicals that come in the common household, specifically in the bedroom. And it's shocking to know that the highest concentration of chemicals come from the common mattress. So they are made of high density, which means just high concentration and heavy amounts of uh, polyurethane foams. So these do two things is when, you know, obviously I was initially looking for clean air, but throughout the years, my focus has been way more than just indoor air quality and indoor wellness. It's been about, you know, what it's doing to the body, how the body is reacting to that. How do we extend sleep, extend deep sleep, get better quality sleep. And those petrochemicals will release, you know, hundreds of different cocktail chemicals into the air. Your body receiving that, it, it stimulates your central nervous system. 
prevents you from getting into your deep sleep and staying into your deep sleep cycles longer. So it wreaks a lot of havoc on your system because it's constantly either being stimulated when it should be resting and it's basically fighting it off, right? It's def- the body is defending itself from these chemicals that don't belong in our, our environment. Opposite of that is the way you make an organic natural foam is basically tapping Pivia brazilianus trees, which produce a sap. And that sap, if frothed up, baked, becomes into a natural foam rubber. So the natural foam rubber, completely organic, does not have any off-gassing, completely safe. Now, the product itself goes way beyond that. It's Not only is it safer for indoor air quality, it's denser, higher elasticity, more durability. So you get an ongoing benefit from an organic latex foam compared to a polyurethane foam. You know, just like everything in technology, the polyurethane was made to copy the rubber, the natural rubber, as a less expensive, high efficiency, however, more toxic version of it. Doesn't last as long, doesn't work as well, but you can mass produce it. And that's what we mainly sleep on. On the organic side, it's not a catch-all. The existing technology has been around for over 50 years of making this organic foam rubber. It doesn't check off all the marks because the organic foam is a little too rubbery. It doesn't offer the pressure redistribution. doesn't offer the comfort. doesn't yeah. offer some of the benefits that you need physically in a bed. And usually on an organic bed, this is corrected by adding fiber tops, whether it be wool, cotton, hair, different types of uh, fibers, anything to soften up the top of the mattress, which then, again, led us to other issues, allergens, sagging, you know, just changing the performance. So, in fact, trying to engineer the perfect bed is all, for us, the answers were all in formula, was all into making a solid block of foam with various different engineering effects on it because if you anything you add on to it which is the most common practice most organic beds out there are actually a layered up together of an inner spring coil mattress few inches of organic foam and then a few inches of typically wool so that combination while being healthy for indoor air quality does not check off the marks for physical health physical support and everything you need to do for sleep. So, in fact, it's like you're tossing a whole bunch of balls in the air. It's not just one and done as far as finding the solution. It became a whole journey for me of figuring out everything that ticks off what you need for ultimate wellness. And, you know, early on, our customers were generally people who were either undergoing cancer treatments and they were so hypersensitive to their environment that this was the only thing that they can go for. Whether they went for an organic bed, then they'd have physical pain. If they went for the synthetic memory foam beds, then they'd get break out into hives, have respiratory issues. So the super hypersensitive turned to us. And that would probably be our first year. As our reputation started to go around, you know, then people were buying from us for prevention, whether they're in remission. So this became a wellness product, a healthcare product practice. And as we evolved, I started to have a better understanding of sleep wellness beyond just the indoor air quality and that initial goal that we hit to do. Now I started looking at 
sleep temperatures, the ideal sleep temperature. You know, we talk about how you use data. Well, that was the foundation to how we built our product is identifying what the right temperature is. And we identified that it was a dynamic temperature, always dropping compared to just starting off cold or starting off warm. There was a difference. And as we really went into trying to figure out what was best is, you know, by 2012, that became recognized and issued more patents on the product. We became recognized as the performance mattress. We were still the organic bed. We were still for those wellness seekers, but all of a sudden, high performers were looking to us, professional athletes, we're dealing with pro hockey players, football players, baseball players, who really, again, it was really an interesting dynamic where I learned so much about what's great about our product from people who were hypersensitive and ill. And I learned so much from pro athletes who were so in tune and in touch with their bodies that they were able to give some amazing feedback on what they're feeling, what's working, what's not working. And that's kind of what has driven all the engineering behind the product to what it is today. It's pretty awesome. And it makes a ton of sense that initially you would find traction with people who are hypersensitive because I'm sure there's a large segment of the population that they're healthy, they would sleep on two. They never know the difference. Their immune system is not already in a hyperarousal state. But you have mm-hmm. a large, co- increasingly large number of people who are dealing with all kinds of inflammatory conditions. And those people naturally would be much more sensitive to any type of additional, let's just call it load on the body, a toxin elimination load that for some people would be not a big deal for those, these other people. Actually, it can really make their existing condition much worse, or it can take an already hyper-aroused immune system, perhaps, and make it worse. So even people who have those the slightest sensitivities around those types of things, that makes a ton of sense. Very similar to us. We got a lot of our early traction working with people who had health conditions that were just hard to diagnose and super hard to treat, Lyme and mold and autoimmune and all of these types of things, cancer. And then also similar to you, it then kind of naturally evolved into the the high performance market, where these are people where the difference between a good night's sleep on a day where they're competing or performing could be millions of dollars, just in Mm -hmm. terms of their performance. And the difference between getting a night of incredible sleep with optimal heart rate variability, optimal resting heart rate, optimal deep sleep. You and I both know that just the difference from one night to the next can be significant. And there's often a huge financial outcome tied to those types of situations. And now it seems that I would imagine there's more awareness just in general in terms of the desire to eliminate as many sources of chemicals as possible, just as general prevention. And so now you can start to see the whole market starting to open up. Before we hit the record button, you and I were talking about the fact that the level of awareness in general right now for a product like yours or mine, if we tried to launch this 20 years ago, I think people would have looked at us (laughs) cross-eyed. And now... now, I've seen the change. It's becoming way more common knowledge of their indoor. And when it comes to sleep, the challenging part is if we do our job well, you don't remember. 
and one of the other things is people tend to self-diagnose and they'll wake up not feeling well. It's what I ate last night. It's this, it's that. Everyone gives themselves a check. Except, everything what except the mattress, I presume. Of course, because that's not when they're no they're longer conscious at that point. So unless yeah. the mattress is fully hammocking and you know giving them back pain, which is the most obvious reason to change your mattress, they don't realize a lot of the real impacts of a bad mattress that may be physically in perfect condition. So that's the interesting part that we try to overcome. <laughs> so, Jack, forgive my uh, some of my lay comments here. I'm just going to throw questions out there that I think as a lay person would come up. But I remember at one point, I don't remember where this soundbite came from, but it was actually recommended to me that when you're buying a sofa or a mattress, it's almost better to get one that's already been used for a year. Now, you can say what you want about a used mattress. But the reason they said that was because after you know, 6, 12, 18 months, a lot of the initial chemical load perhaps has already kind of um, leached out, if you will. So it may still be there. But 12, 18 months in, that just seemed logical to me. Is that something that kind of holds up based on your research? So what ends up happening is you have that initial load which like the is, flame retardants, for example. Yeah. It was in the context of flame retardants. I must have been reading an article where mm -hmm. most of these fabrics that come in, sofas and all of these types of things, they have that product on there as a safety feature, safety feature. Mm -hmm. But they can often initially when in the first X years of ownership, that's when they're most prominent. Is am I understanding that so, right? A lot of times those comments are made on analyzing the very conventional mattress. When I say the very sure. conventional mattress, it means it's a very low-density mattress, which 90% of it is going to be a, a spring unit, which is a coil unit, just metal coil. Gotcha. Okay. Followed by some low-density foams to add some mm -hmm. comfort layer, your fiber batting, which could be polyester or anything natural as well. And finally, the fabric was just treated with the uh, fire barrier chemicals. That there is an example of a very inexpensive, low-priced mattress that one of the positives is it has, a, has so little in it that it has a very little, small chemical load in it. Mm -hmm. But that's one of those type of mattresses that are not don't stand the test of time as far as physical support, maintaining comfort, posture, and all that. So, so you need to go into something that has a lot more density. When you're going into more density, then you're talking higher concentration of chemicals that are there. So you get into the memory foam layers, uh, no springs. Once you eliminate the springs, now you have your full 10, 12 inches of mattress, which is all a chemical block. It's all treated, no basically. Just, it's not treated. That is how it's built. It is made of petrochemical. And then the treatment is always on top. So those ones there will emit for many more years. And here's the catch is when those chemicals dry off is when the product starts to decompose as well. Mm -hmm. That kind of happens hand in hand. It lost its flexibility. It starts to become dry and brittle and break down. So it's not a good trade-off to be going with anything of that sort. That's where from the start, you need to go organic. You need to eliminate these chemicals from ever even coming into the bedroom. Uh, whether you buy and get one new or used or organic, we'll never have that in there. Okay, that's very helpful. A couple of questions here. You mentioned the type of tree that you guys are using. You kind of touched on it very briefly, but maybe you could just 
revisit that one. You mentioned it quickly in passing. If you could restate the name of it yeah. and just explain like how you guys are doing that again, just to recap that part, because I think it was really important, one, to call out the distinction just to what you'd get in a typical organic mattress and also as a distinction to what you just described with, with some of those um, less expensive Yes, models. and basically, and also to be said that in latex mattresses, there are organic and there are natural news, synthetic latex as well. So the traditional best way is a sap, which is harvested from a Hivia Brazilian street. These crops were originally from Brazil, but today the plantations have been opened in India, Sri Lanka, Indonesia. So a lot of those countries have now started having uh, huge plantations of these, and, and that's where most of the crops come from. And basically having a plantation which does not use any pesticides, which has a, a clean farming, uh, generally, the way to assure of this is we only buy galls, which is global organic standard, uh, latex standard latex, which means that the plantation has been audited, all of their processes have been audited. It also verifies that there are fair living wages. So there's a lot that comes with certification, which is great because they'll go beyond just the product, but also the work environment. The whole organization, and, the ethics of the company and, and all of those correct. kinds of things factored in. Gotcha. So we feel great about who we're buying from. We know that our vendors, our suppliers are very important to us. And we want to make sure that they're like-minded as well. And harvesting from those trees. And then there is a processing, a frosting, foaming, if you will, into molds. And when it goes into the molds, molds are then heated and it becomes a solid foam block. That is the traditional way. And what we've done is patented different variations and formulations, changing densities, changing feels, changing comfort types, and changing the response time that the recovery of the foam happens. That's something that's unique to us. We've been the first and the only to create a slow response latex foam. And successfully, I should say, because I guess some people have attempted at it, but we didn't have the, the actual proper mechanics behind it. it. It didn't come out well. On the flip side, there are and commonly used probably the most latex beds out there contain synthetic latex. So what synthetic latex is, is the petrochemical companies have come up with a high-density version that is similar to latex as a high-density, high-performing product. Great physical product however it does not eliminate the toxins that we want to not have in our beds and the gotcha. difference is when somebody's buying it it's not enough to buy a latex mattress you need to buy an organic latex mattress so that's the gold standard then if you're out there yeah. looking organic latex and ideally working with someone who is sourcing from distributors who adhere to that standard you mentioned gals yeah. i think was uh, was G-O-L-S, GOLS, G-O-L-S, Global Organic Latex Standard. That is the highest standard right now. Awesome. Okay. So, Jack, maybe uh, if you could talk a little bit about, are there differences in terms of the um, environmental footprint, particularly, I would imagine, like with disposal? Like, I know that a lot of the times you order a mattress and they give you this money-back guarantee and you don't like it, we'll come pick it up. They just throw it in the garbage. 
And so, so like, it doesn't even go back. You know what I mean? I can't imagine now you're taking all of these things and in the landfill and, and God only knows what kind of impact that has. But is it a fair assumption to say that, that purely from a disposal point of view, the environmental footprint would be safer or cleaner? Is that a fair way to look at it? Well, it would be. So, for example, it would fully decompose. So, in fact, if this being in the landfill, it would fully de- decompose and not leach its tree sap. You know, so, however, we don't let it get to that. So, in a sense, that the product itself is still too valuable to put into the landfill. So, if there are product returns, or we generally would break them apart and sell them off as recycled products where they can use it in different applications, not in mattresses, but where a foam rubber could be useful, whether it be under carpeting, padding, something that typically was synthetic that we can convert to organic is beneficial. Secondary market, basically. Correct. Since COVID shut down a lot of our stores and we've become fully online in our business model, which has actually worked really well for us, in store, we used to have, you know, I always felt when I walked into every community and opened up a store, and we started in Canada, we opened up our first store in Toronto and then in Vancouver and Calgary. And as I was opening up these stores, I didn't want to, I didn't like the feeling of just coming in, opening up my store and not being from there. And I was so attentive to choose the shops where I, I, the community I'd live in. So I'd only open shops in the community I'd live in. But then I felt I had to give back in a way as if I lived there. Because when you when you live in a certain community, you give to your community. So mm-hmm. we came up with this Betterhood initiative that in every single city that we went into, our store manager had a responsibility of giving back. And in different ways, you know, we'd have uh, struggling artists give them an opportunity to uh, showcase their art in our store. We'd have there were some uh, endangered horses. Uh, for extinction in Alberta. Well, we basically had a, a drive and an awareness in that store. I think my dog is in the background here. Probably hear hear her whining as she's trapped she, in the she office. She wants to join the conversation. I'm sure she has opinions on which mattress she sleeps on. <laughs> and, well, when we shut down those stores uh, during COVID, all of a sudden, about six months in, we realized what's happening to Betterhood. And so we really worked at how do we now centralize betterhood and keep giving back to different communities. And we realized on so many mattresses that were trial period returns, demos of that sort. Well, how do we channel these to places where can really help people? At the time, we, we were hearing a lot of stories that there was a lot of people in need during COVID in their households, whether it became abuse because yep. people are not used to spending 24-7 with their families, mm-hmm. where children were suffering, not going to school. Typically, a wife was in a horrible situation at home. And we started donating these beds to different shelters, shelters for women. Shelters brilliant for idea. So, uh, and that's kind of, and, then, and, then, and that's ongoing today. So we just have thousands of mattresses that go to all the people in need. So we still feel good that we are, doing our part with our betterhood. No it's just such land. a brilliant way to use the ones that are just otherwise um, not going to be able to put to good use. So we, we have our own give program 
at Heads Up, where we take 1% of our proceeds and align it to prevention, specifically in young people. A lot of the chronic illnesses out there are, are completely 100% preventable with the right level of education. So we've got our own give program. It's just a monetary type of a matching. But the way you're doing it to actually give those to shelters and other people in need, especially um, homeless shelters, what a brilliant idea. I think every mattress company should do that because I know far too many of them don't ever land in a place where there's a perfectly good home for it. So it's just such a really brilliant way to um, A, give back, and B, put those things to great use. Well, most rewarding part was when I brought this to our board in our executive meetings, and I said, well, listen, we have an issue. Our betterhood doesn't have wings anymore. Clipped our wings without any without our, our local managers and local shops. And I, I said, what about if we do this? And our whole executive team mobilized on it, and which was just a beautiful thing because there's no money in it for us. Yet they all had so much pride into making this work. And, it's a no-brainer. Uh, Total no-brainer. I love it. So, um, Jack, let's get into some of the conversations here around sleep optimization. This is data-driven health radio, after yep. all. <laughs> and I think where we're at, just in terms of the level of awareness, if you will, within the general public, we now have access as individual consumers to sensor technology that, quite honestly, is probably just as good or better than what you'd get in uh, a lot of sleep labs 10 or 15 years ago. The sensors are incredible. And there mm -hmm. are things like devices that are worn on the wrist, devices that are worn on the finger. There are mattress toppers that go over the mattress. But these can collect incredibly accurate biometrics from an individual while they're asleep, where you're not consciously aware of a lot of these types of physiological parameters, but you can wake up in the morning and very quickly look at the results from the previous night of sleep. And mm -hmm. the sensors are getting good enough that you can start to detect improvements from small changes in your lifestyle and in your routine. So you can Look at things like, for example, what was the amount of restlessness while I was sleeping last night? You know, it's a, it's a motion sensor that's detecting that type of thing. You can detect how low your resting heart rate went in a given night. You can detect probably the most interesting and powerful one, in my opinion, is your heart rate variability while you're sleeping, where the sensor is measuring this across every single heartbeat while you're sleeping. And as we're mm -hmm. talking specifically here about reducing chemical load, reducing basically toxin load on the body, on the central nervous system, on the uh, body, how, much, how hard the body has to work to eliminate a lot of this stuff, any toxic or stress load on the body, whether it's emotional stress, chemical stress, physical stress, back pain, for example, that's a stressor on the body. And the more stressor on the body, that's going to impact the heart rate variability metric, which is really kind of the stress load on the nervous system. And the amazing mm -hmm. thing is it's really commonplace now to have a sensor at home that can measure heart rate variability while you're sleeping. So can you comment, Jack, just in terms of like how we can start to pick up the difference in a really high quality mattress like yours? What biometrics would you be looking at? Are you doing any of this research at Essentia that's perhaps published? Like, how can we really start to look at either published data 
or just the interested, empowered individual who wants to start doing some testing. So like, where would you say we are in terms of state of the art right now, just in terms of like the um, biofeedback with this type of stuff? Well, for us, this has been a game changer for the last few years, just because people can actually verify what we're talking about and document that they are improving their sleep. They're getting the data, they have their wearables, so they're able to confirm what we're saying is good for them. So for us, it's got to be helpful for you. Sorry to interrupt, but like, you know, it's like, hey, you can tell me this works, but now I'm seeing these improvements. It's got to just help juice the sales because you're like, hey, don't take my word for it. You can go test it yourself. And that's an actual viable thing for most people to do nowadays. Exactly. And if I go back to where things were for us years ago, you know, it was a lab environment. We were looking at, you know, smaller groups going through the testing, seeing what the environmental impacts have, the change in mattresses, the change in temperatures, the change in, uh, you know, and with, what do you have to say, Coco? Sorry. <laughs> and um, Coco concurs. <laughs> Coco's HRV is up 18% on the Ascension mattress. <laughs> <laughs> but last year's test that we did was actually pretty incredible just because what we ended up doing there was for the first time really working with wearables we ran a test we were testing new formula new engineering on uh, the essential products that we've been working on for a couple of years and now it was a pre-bring to taking it to market we wanted to make the real test on it so we had 75 professional athletes each wearing their wearables and tracking their sleep. We tracked like where this is going. Yeah, we did 10 weeks as a baseline and understanding their current sleep patterns. And then we did 10 weeks on a double blind test where half of them were on Essentia, half of them thought nice. (laughs) And it was just incredible. Wow. Okay. Well, it was really cool is that first of all, they're all consciously know that they're volunteered for this test, right? So you know they're at their best behavior. So they're yeah. sleep improved no matter what they say. Everybody's on. right. They know they're being monitored. So that was like the everybody <laughs> improved. That makes total sense. Okay. Continue. However, other than the onset of sleep, you can't control what you can't control. You can't, yeah, Once, exactly. Totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So and it was just the numbers were so clear where we had improvements in deep sleep cycle and REM sleep cycles at a minimum of 20%. That's a low Wow, man. That's impressive. What about HRV? Did you have HRV in there? No, we weren't looking at heart rate variability. That would have been interesting. I'll I'll probably go through that again. We were really looking because our theory was that some of the improvements that we were making really helped with REM and deep sleep. So we were really, our goal was really just to look at those two results and outcomes. And just because with the, you know, trainers and medical teams, everyone was pointing at if we can improve REM sleep and we can improve deep sleep cycles, their healing, recovery, focus, everything is impacted by that. And that's probably the most important thing for the pro athletes to walk into their game, rested, healed and mentally focused and calm they walk in that environment and those two things are what really gets the most benefit out of deep sleep and REM sleep so that was the numbers were through the roof the players themselves 
were just blown away. And then we rolled out and we added our new formula as of we launched it October 15th of last year. We launched our whole new formulas, called them our REM5 and REM9 versions of our technology. Great product name, man. REM5, uh, REM9, putting that in there. And you got to launch a deep, deep line as well. Deep, 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 <laughs> deep three, deep nine. You know, just correlating with that word, I think, is just yeah. alone going to be money. Yeah, so that was awesome, though. It was It was a great experience. Just it was almost like a celebration, you know, when we were when we're talking with the trainers and talking with the athletes and seeing what kind of results we had. It was like we just won a championship. <laughs> Did you publish it, Jack? No, we have all the literature. We have everything that we came out of it. Everything has to stay. When it comes to pro athletes, nothing can be disclosed of sure. their names, who they are. Everything has to be aggregate, but we we should still publish the aggregate results i think we will do because it was just it was an incredible an incredible study done really well and it's actually interesting because of everything that had to be signed off on just because when you're going to get involved with players associations yeah. leagues and you know in, in, for table. example in just the nfl for example if we had any nfl volunteers the nflpa won't sign off on any monitoring beyond 10, 10 days Mm-hmm. Because then they, they feel that management or ownership, anything could get involved where they, they can, which can undermine their contract renegotiations. And so they're very cautious on monitoring pro athletes because we don't know what we don't know. And I'm sure if every athlete was monitored by management, they can make projections on how long they will be relevant, uh, you know, uh, you know what, when will be the slide based on their habits, based on their sleep. We'll be able to predict, you know, the career, the career path of a lot of athletes. Well, hey, Jack, uh, if you're ever looking to repeat that work and you're looking for a, a software platform that could help you collect yes. a lot of those biometrics, you know, who could possibly have such a system? You know, I, mean, I know, uh, I know exactly. <laughs> that's that's part of the reason why it's been so important to keep in touch. Because yes, that you know, your system would be exactly what we would bring it together on the dashboard. <laughs> well, we are definitely going to get something kicked off where we can do that for sure. If yeah. nothing else, just to give your customers a great way to self-measure whether that data is transmitted or not. But here at Heads Up, we're working with a lot of brands and wellness who want to do exactly that. Hey, I want to get 50 people connected with Bora, give them my product basically for X weeks and measure mm-hmm. and then capture all of the data. That'd be totally freaking awesome. We'd love to collaborate with you on that. We'll get there. Last question here, Jack, just in closing, but I'd like to talk about how you could take your awesome product, okay, and now stack it, okay? What I mean by stack it is to say, now what other kind of awesome sauce can we put on top of it? So my ideal stack, okay, would be your product first and foremost. Also with temperature control mat on top of it. I sleep every day with the Doc Pro, which is made by the guys, uh, Todd Youngblood, previously known as yep. the Uller, and then a uh, previous version to that was the Chili Pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Eight Sleep is another one. But these are like uh, liquid cooling. They basically go under the bed sheet. And wow, I can't tell you the difference after using this for a couple of years where I can set the temperature of the mattress to 65 and a lot of people in the household they don't want the ac necessarily cranked to 65 everyone's 
temperature preferences are different. So this lets you just dial it in. You know, for me personally, the colder the better. It doesn't mean that you're shivering. It means your body's actually warm. You're in warm blankets, but the ambient air temperature and the the body core temperature gets super low. So like I would want to stack the um Doc Pro on top of it. There's a lot of things you can do in the room in terms of air temperature. There's a lot of things you can do just in terms of like drowning out ambient noise, like a pink noise machine. There's a lot of amazing supplements. Another um, research project we're doing is with upgraded formulas, uh, Barton's company. He was at PHS and they've got the upgraded magnesium as a sleep supplement. So there's a lot of things you can do. The brain tap, you know, you can do these like sleep sessions before you go to bed. So What's cool is you can then take the mattress, which is really the foundation, in my opinion, and then and then start to layer on additional biohacks on top of it. But maybe uh, give absolutely. us a few of your favorite. I have an absolute opinion on the cooling pad. So the way that our product is engineered, it's actually designed that it constantly and actively allows your body heat to escape throughout the night. It's very unique. Gotcha. It's the only one like it. And that's where we, we have REM 5, REM 9. Because that surface temperature drops five on the REM5 and it drops nine on the REM9. So it's substantial and it's an important part of it. However, when it comes to chilly sleep, they make an awesome weighted blanket, which is a cooling weighted blanket. So that's a product that I love from them. And it really marries well with, with ours because you'll be the person would be sleeping directly on our mattress. You don't need necessarily the cooling mattress because the the mattress and and there's other, I have a pillow that actually has one side that's super cold. So there's ways to do this naturally. So what you're saying then is you might not need that, but there's other stacks you can put on top of it. Yeah. So instead of having the pad on the bed, you'd sleep directly onto this mattress, but then have from chilly sleep, have their weighted blanket on top. And they just launched a weighted blanket with a natural fabric instead of a polyester. So they're using a linen on that. So I really like that. And that's a great... So a REM9 with a weighted blanket would be similar. Exactly. What else is in your personal stack? What else have you seen out there that pairs well with your mattress? I also like to make sure that the indoor air quality, aside from the bed, is really great. So I've been using... We're actually... The concept itself, we're in different hotels with our product a lot of them in vegas believe it or not wellness in vegas but the concept is stay well and we're at the aria bellagio the delano and so all the rooms or is it just more like the premium ones wellness travel rooms so you can have suite but these are wellness travel rooms and a lot of the athletes prefer to be in the wellness travel rooms because you know they're they're not there to hang out in their suites they're there to sleep in there and so what we put in there are these rabbit air filters. So it takes away any impurities in the air, whether it be from carpeting for fumes and all that. So really filtering up the air system. We've actually even started, we've made them available on our website. And it's, it's more of an accommodation, just so adding awareness of trying to really scrub your indoor air quality. Indoor air quality, then it comes down to uh, aromatherapy, and that's very personal. Some yeah. odors can stimulate, others can relax, and it's yeah. not the same for everyone. Those are kind of deep-rooted in our emotions, whereas certain people get stimulated by certain scents and other people get offended but bothered. And a lot of times it has to do with totally. their upbringing, what their environments were. So finding yeah. the right 
scent for aromatherapy can be really calming. Making sure your indoor air quality with a product like Rabbit Air, having the chilly sleep weighted blanket, you know, that these are three major things that I believe are great. I've been exploring different magnesium products and I, I like to test everything. So I really sure, try so do we. That's that's what, that's what we do. So uh, we, I've done the upgraded. That's been great. And now we're waiting on some products from BioOptimizers, which I think is really promising as well. And which so product we're looking? Is it their, one of their it, sleep powders? It's a, yeah, it's a sleep powder. So we're testing that now. Um, yeah, I have a friend and, of mine who swears by that one. I haven't personally tested it yet. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we want to try out. And we like to let... It's kind of interesting. I do feel we're a wellness company that happens to sell a mattress. Yeah. So anytime there's a product that you know we're not involved with, but I know it helps our customer base, we'll pump those tires all day long and, and, and let people know about it. Awesome. Well, this has been incredibly insightful, Jack. This is everything I was hoping that we'd be able to cover and uh, educate to our listeners here. Just in closing, Jack, maybe you could um, share any places where we can get more information about your products and services. Obviously, the website, which is maybe you can just list that out for people. And then uh, if you guys are active on any uh, social platform more than others, where we could follow you guys. Sure. Uh, The website is myessentia.com, M-Y-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A.com. We are on Instagram. It's basically at Essentia is the handle. We're on Facebook. Uh, Those are probably the two primary social feeds that we're on. I'm on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to reach out, has any specific needs, I get involved. Usually I'm involved with teams and I give, you know, lectures to pro hockey teams and some college teams. But, you know, sometimes somebody has an issue. I'm always glad to help whenever I can. And that's it. That's what we're here for. Yeah, we've got a couple uh, sports teams that we work with, Jack. So once the episode goes live, I'll send it up to them and um, facilitate an intro if necessary. In general, though, thank you, man. This was awesome. I know you're a busy CEO running a highly successful company. So we're grateful for your time. I know everyone listening is grateful for your time as well. But thanks for joining, Jack. And hopefully we'll uh, have a chance to collaborate on more projects together here in the near future. It was just like when we met in person. At the conference, the connection was pure, easy, and pleasant. It was awesome. (laughs) Right on, brother. Thanks, Jack. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 